Well, it's Friday, and I am now going to dub Friday. Friday facts. Friday facts. Because we've got a lot of facts to talk about. So before we get into the meat of things, see, today I've been extremely busy. One, I felt a little bit trolly because I have full profiles now on my opponents and what, you know, fuckery occurred during a run that I'm doing, right? So I was kind of enjoying myself uh, playing around while I was on phone calls and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And it was the most difficult thing to see. And I was thinking, well, you know, it's so weird. Today we're going to talk about babies, human babies, but that includes Schiff and that includes Clinton, that includes Assange and boy, and you know where all that came from? Freaking Scabino. Because see, I, I have ears and eyes almost everywhere. So plowing through tons of data today, tons of data, I was the amount of data that I went through today was insane. I was thinking to myself, uh, why is Dan Scavino's name coming up? This is so weird. So obviously this, you know, this revelation I had looking through stuff in my bed, crack of dawn, because I got up and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did, did they just say Dan Scavino on that video? And I was like, stop, stop. Stop. And I was like, wait, I got to confirm this because Schiff could be talking shit. <laughs> I would expect that. Oh, no, he wasn't. I found it. So let's get with what the mainstream media tells you of who Dan Scavino is. I can tell you, having seen the man in person, he's freaking adorable and he's a freaking genius. So they could say what they want. I think he's a genius. Somebody, Somebody said, said to me last, last week, it's Twitter. It's Twitter. That's Dan Scavino, the White House Director of Social Media, better known as at Real Donald Trump. Bring him up here. Dan Scavino, everybody, the famous Dan Scavino. Is there anything he could say or do that would lead you to abandon him? No. Trump and Scavino's allegiance has been brewing for decades. Before he met Trump, Scavino was just like any other teenager in Westchester. The 16-year-old Scavino worked on the weekends at Briar Hall Country Club washing golf clubs, and working at the club's restaurant. In 1990, Scavino's life would change forever. The future president tapped Scavino for his first role as Trump's personal caddy. That day, Trump told the young Scavino, you are going to work for me one day. It wasn't long until Scavino would be promoted to general manager of the same country club. Now under new ownership, Trump National Golf Club. Westchester. Fast forward 20-something years, Trump kept his promise and hired Scavino as the director of social media for his 2016 campaign. During the campaign, Trump's account tweeted out an image of Hillary Clinton featuring a star of David and loads of money, which many believed was anti-Semitic. Scavino released a statement. The social media graphic used this weekend was not created by the campaign nor was it sourced from an anti-Semitic site. It was lifted from an anti-Hillary Twitter user where countless images appear. The sheriff's badge, which is available under Microsoft's shapes, fit the theme of corrupt Hillary, and that is why I selected it. He deleted that tweet. Dan Scavino, few of you might see him on Twitter and Facebook. You know what he is? He's a Facebook Twitter junkie. This guy... 
That was the first time I've seen him look up in seven months. He's always looking down. After the election, Trump appointed Scavino to be the White House director of social media and assistant to the president. During regular work hours, the president will dictate tweets to Scavino to transcribe and tweet out. It's impossible to know how many tweets Scavino drafts from the president's account. Scavino noted that he has, quote, Trump's voice nailed down and is constantly recording content for online videos. Scavino has recently become pretty sloppy, tweeting out the same thing from his personal account as he did from the president's account. There's no telling how many tweets actually come from the president himself, but there are a few telling signs. If the tweet appears during the off hours of the night, it is most likely from the president. If it has misspellings, it is also most likely from the president, as Scavino's sole job is to not mess up on social media. Although he has, Scavino has thrown the blame for all mishaps on, quote, the intern, who apparently has access to the account as well. We, we've had some instances in the past, and people laugh and say, oh, the intern did it. He well, has, you all said the intern did it. Right. Well, he said it, and we all said it, but he, he made it clear, and it, it is true. It was an intern. Scavino is perhaps the closest person to Trump. He's always right next to him, filming his every move, uploading it, and changing the course of the news cycle with just a few taps of his finger. If a guy has an account called White Genocide TM, maybe don't retweet that. Yeah, and, and he picked up on Is that what the, the name of... That was that one. one re- mm-hmm. What was it? White Genocide yeah, TM. He, he, he's, a, he's aware of it now. and he, he, He's not always... Let's just put it this way. I simply adore Scavino. Do you know why? Number one, you don't have to be a tech-trained expert to understand how social media works. You don't have to understand any of that. But guys, when I tell you how this is blowing my freaking mind, going back to shift from that simple conversation, which would totally suck if that video was somehow leaked and the world heard what Adam Schiff had to say about Scavino. So... When he said that, he said something that totally was like, what? Wait a minute. So all morning, I'm sitting there, and I'm looking around, and then from one file that I have to another, and then it's like, holy crap, Assange, holy crap, Ecuador, holy crap, Hillary, holy crap, fucking ship is right in the middle. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. Obviously... Obviously, it would be interesting, you know, if it leaked. But if I got it, I'm pretty sure someone else got access to seeing this, you know, because there's a shit ton of eyes on me. So uh, I'm going to talk about it. I mean, I'm an investigative journalist, so I could talk about it. And I'm going to show it to you because, you know what, when I when I heard it, I was like, no, that's not happening. I'm like, no way. So I had filed away something that I found out about Jamie Raskin that drew alarm bells. And I was like, oh, they're probably talking about, you know, Devin Nunes, maybe. Maybe they're talking about Meadows, you know. Holy crap, they were talking about Dan Scavino. And I'm like, wait, uh, if this is true, and this has now been the, the little breadcrumb is now public for like over a month. and the you know, 
the right wing or left wing media isn't talking about it. One, it's because the left wing hasn't got orders. They're too busy creating a war. I mean, they got a calico kitty in there this time, right? Can you say wag the dog anymore? But they they missed it. And the right doesn't give a shit because they're all pretend journalists. You know, I saw this um, statement by Kyle Sefik. He's running for governor in Maryland. Uh, he's just an average guy. And unfortunately, you know, average people also get, um, you know, the wrong people next to them. But he is a good guy. And it was something that he said that struck me. And it totally made sense. And um, this is how I feel about Scavino, too. Uh, not because of what Schiff said. What Schiff said, oh, my gosh. Like, wait till we get through the whole thing. Um so what he said was, there are people who talk about what we need changing, right? You see them whining online on social media, right? And then now they're gaslighting you on truth. Uh, you know, you see the right, you see the left, you see idiots, you know, that are pandering for a dollar. Oh, this is wrong. You're going to fix it. And it's like, but he said, there's people who talk about what needs to change. And then there's people that actually do things to create change. The haters are always the ones just talking. I love that statement. I absolutely love that statement. So anyway, going back to that, Dan Scavino is a guy that literally makes change. He started, uh, you know, um, from caddy, like they said, and moved on up. Just because he was a caddy doesn't mean he's stupid. He learned everything there is to know. He loves his boss. Um, Why wouldn't his boss trust him? I would. Oh, wait. Verizon's in this too. Oh my gosh. Like I can't even. Okay. So I'm going to try to walk you through this because this is crazy. But before we do, we still need to see, uh, you know, these profiles that they've made about Dan Scavino. Cause you know, Dan Scavino is only a man. So, you know, um, just like many people, uh, cause he's not brick and mortar trained. Like you know, at some camp, he may make a mistake, you know, in trusting the wrong people, you know, or doing whatever he's refined his skills, but sometimes he does make a mistake. Um, regardless, I absolutely love him because even though he's not a spook man, this guy operates like one, but he has to be very careful always, just like everybody else, you know, because humans always make these light mistakes. You know, they, they, they believe that they can revive something. They believe that, you know, they want to go back to the good old days. Sometimes just let shit die. Okay. So here's the next introduction, short one by CNN of who Dan Scavino is. Social media accounts break every rule in the book. He uses Twitter like a weapon, tearing down competitors, posting messages from supporters, and sharing random, unfiltered musings. When I have 16 or 17 million people, when you add it up, uh, it gives me a big advantage Do you over people. all that, your own tweets? Uh, and, and when somebody's retweeted yes. from your account, you ret- you've retweeted. I would say yes, other than if we release some information. I have some people, Dan, and some other people that uh, will do it. So who's Dan? He's this guy, Daniel Scavino, Trump's social media director. Unbelievable. My name is Dan Scavino. I'm with the Trump campaign, a resident here in Dutchess County. Scavino's a political novice who got his start with Trump as a teenager when he was the mogul's golf caddy. I think I was 16 years old, working in the bag room. 
uh, cleaning golf clubs, working in the restaurant. You know, just your ordinary high school kid. Scavino sat down with CNN for an exclusive on-camera interview to talk about his loyalty to Trump. Is there anything he could say or do that would lead you to abandon him? No. No. How he feels when Trump is attacked. It fires me up. It, it, it pisses me off. How the Trump campaign sees the war of words this election cycle. Note in the campaign during the whole cycle, he never attacked anybody. He never... What? Well, he, <laughs> come on, Dan. He never attacked anybody in the sense of where he started. It, it was always the opposing campaign throwing punches at Donald Trump. And he gave CNN a behind-the-scenes look at Trump's social media operation, one of the most successful, polarizing, and controversial in campaign history. Any of his messaging and anything that is put out on his Twitter account is 100% him. I, he doesn't run anything by me. I, you know, I, I get the alert that a tweet went out no matter what time of day or night. You know that's unheard of in a presidential campaign. It is. It's it's. It's a different campaign. We're a different campaign. 22 is also different. So we have to keep that in mind. Uh, that's a word of advice to everyone. That includes Scavino, I think. My name is Dan uh, you know, Scavino. Oops, oops. When I was 16 years old, Hold I on. got a part-time job at a golf. Hold on. That's the next video that I wanted to play. And it started, um, started playing. But we're going to play it because I want you guys to listen to him. So um, Dan Scavino um, was mentored by this man in regarding to business and communications and managing things. That is the best education you have. I've never worked with President Trump in my life, but I've met a lot of people like him. And my dad was one of the people that I can compare in regards to business acumen and, you know, the way he responds and everything. Um, Dan is very self-conscious, um, but he, he, he looks at president Trump like a father, uh, because he started when it was, when he was 16. And this is why I felt so betrayed by the people I worked with. Because I was so young, from a young age, going to the schools, meeting a lot of these idiots that then moved on to be national security advisors, generals, and admirals. And then, you know, I, I felt like a sucker. So that's why I feel like that. Like, if ever there was a moment that I would have to depose any of them, I'd probably piss my pants. And it's not because I'm scared, only because I would not be able to control myself because of the anger of betrayal that I felt because I felt like they were my, um, my family teaching me things. Dan feels the same way. So I get it. Huh? So when I saw that they were coming after him, I knew exactly what they were going for. See, a person will do anything to protect their child. And president Trump never pulled the trigger because of what they were holding over his head but they would never be able to do it. Remember, they started with the whole anthrax thing. And then <sighs> your kids are something someone can use against you. And the thing is, he realized just weeks in that he couldn't trust anybody. And that sucks. Only one he could trust was Dan to at least get his message out. And now they're coming for Dan. They're coming for him hard. They have plans from what I hear, but I want to put it out to you and to whoever eavesdrops and then pretends to be a journalist. Um, yeah, you know, 
<clears throat> I want you to understand how intricate but simple this is. Intricate and simple. So let's take a look at who Dan tells you he is. Of course, just outside of New York City. One day, I was cleaning golf clubs when a man pulled into the parking lot. There wasn't a single person who didn't know who it was. Everyone's jaws were on the ground. It was Donald Trump. All I could think was, nobody will ever believe this at school tomorrow. I never would have imagined it at this moment, but I've now been at President Trump's side for almost 30 years. All these years later, there's a part of me that still feels a sense of wonder every day when I consider the journey we have taken together and taken with so many of you watching tonight. Because my personal story with Donald Trump, in so many ways, is yours too. He saw potential in me, a spark, the possibility that I could be more, do more, and achieve more than even I thought was possible. That's how he views this country too. We have all just scratched the surface of what we can do together. If there's one thing I hope you will hear from me tonight, it is this. President Trump is a kind and decent man. I wish you could be at his side with me to see his endless kindness to everyone he meets. The media could be a fog machine, creating a partisan mist around everything that's hard to see through. But in 2016, you navigated through it all. You found your way through the swamp and you arrived safely on the other side with Donald J. Trump as your new president. There are some things that were true then, reasons why you choose him as your country's leader that remain true today. You know, the president cannot be bought. The American people must know their president isn't building his life. He's building yours. He knows the president cannot be bullied. President Trump is the first leader who's been too strong, too tough, and too savvy to be crushed by the status quo establishment and the political media class. You know, the president cannot be beaten. He's got a fighting spirit like so many of you do. And winning for America is what he does. While they call it chaos, President Trump calls it change. Just think about what we achieved together with President Trump. The strongest economy in history, the lowest unemployment rate for almost all demographic groups, black Americans, Hispanic Americans, women, and so many more. He did that once and he will do it again. You know it, and I know it. We all just need somebody to believe in our capacity to do great things. Donald Trump believed in me when I was a teenage golf caddy, and he was already one of the wealthiest, most famous people on the entire planet. He saw my potential, even when I couldn't. He sees greatness in our country too, and in each of you. He believes the world you dream about at night can be yours. He truly is a man of the people. Just think about what he has done with this convention. You've heard from real Americans with real stories. People who are just like us. 
people whose lives have been forever impacted by the president and his policies. You've heard from people like John Peterson, who has a factory in Ohio, Tanya Weinreich, who has a small business in Montana, Jason Joyce, a fisherman from Maine, and Chris Peterson, a dairy farmer from Wisconsin. You've seen a man who turned his life around get a second chance with a presidential pardon. You've seen brand new Americans become our fellow citizens in a ceremony at the White House. You felt the passion of pro-life and religious freedom advocates and listened to the heartfelt words of a man whose family fled communism and oppression. Who needs a nonstop parade of politicians when you got an army of the people behind you? On November 3rd, vote for the man who believes in America and believes in you. Vote for my friend, your friend, our friend, Donald J. Trump. Thank you, and God bless the United States of America. You were like, oh my gosh, he's not blinking. He was totally blinking. But one thing is, is that he was very emotional. He speaks from, uh, how did the lefty say it? A point of privilege, right? Where he sees him like a father figure who embraced him, right? And, you know, for me, I could feel him choking up and he did a great job reading it because I would have been in tears. And I, and he didn't raise me from the age of 16 and looked and found that I was scrappy. I was smart and I could achieve things. See, unlike the establishment that looks at who your father is and your mother is, what kind of money you have in your bank account, he looks for that extra, what do they call it? The X factor. So when I see them coming after uh, Scavino, it's very strategic. See, all of us will say, oh, you know, they're getting communications from Nunez and Meadows and Rudy Giuliani and Dan Dan. But Dan Scavino is like a, his, you know, his son, but his work son, right? Where he mentors him and he knows that he can rely on him. He's almost like my whims, right? Um, I don't even have to talk to whims for like, you know, a week. And I know... She's getting things done. So, uh, you know, uh, when I heard what was said, I was like, did he just call Dan Scavino a little bitch in his smug face? I was like, no. So this is where um, I'm going to put on a little bit of Jamie Raskin. And the reason I say this is because Raskin is the one that's assisting in some money coming in from some weird ass place. Now, I have to thank, uh, you know, an angel I have from across the pond that found a lot of this stuff out. Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin from Maryland. He, he is, is on, on the House, House Select Committee investigating January 6th. Congressman, good to see you this morning. Thank you for being with us. It's good to see you, Ali. Let's talk about um, you are now in a better position than you were even when you were the lead impeachment manager to close some gaps, to find out what's missing. So it's not that you have all the information, but the more information you get, you can see what's missing. And what's missing are call logs. There are several hours of phone calls on January 6th that we don't have detailed information on, but you know about them because you've heard from or got evidence from people who may have been on the other side of those phone calls or who were um, who are cooperating with you. So tell me about this. How will what are you looking for and how will it help you? 
Well, the, Trump had the most global comprehensive view of what was taking place. There were lots of people who were involved in the political coup dimension of this, the attempt to overthrow Joe Biden's 306 vote majority in the Electoral College and uh, get Mike Pence to rebuff Electoral College votes and kick it all into the House of Representatives for a contingent election. But that Dang, it was muted. Listen, I've done a lot of... Uh episodes on rat skin, right? Uh, uh, how insanely obsessed he is with President Trump, how uh, insanely crazy he is about President Trump. Uh, but the thing is, it's because the money is coming from his district. The money funding rise up Antifa, D.C. Underground, D.C. whatever, uh, the Sunrise Movement, Momentum, uh, Run for Something. All that shit is coming from Ratskin's district. And they are riding him hard. And we have former attorneys within agencies like the Justice Department treasury. These motherfuckers know how to hide money, but guess what? I'm almost there. I already found the heads and I've already traced it, traced back into income from overseas. That's called foreign influence. I'm trying to see what bank is funding the money here and how they're washing it through. The false fronts are different than false flags. You need a false front to fund false flags and they're riding him hard riding him really really hard so this guy can't stand no i always love back to school can't stand president trump can't stand him so how does this correspond well as you know there was a cybersecurity conference in munich Pelosi was there, Schiff was there, everyone was posting all the pictures with Soros and Schiff and Pelosi right and people are losing their mind I'm going to tell you what I saw and heard. This was an individual that was accidentally FaceTiming. I mean, accidentally in air quotes, allegedly, allegedly a conversation about Verizon. So Verizon was bitching. So there was a Verizon representative there bitching. Schiff was there bitching. All of them were bitching because Germany decided that they're dropping Verizon. And they're not going back on it. So apparently Germany, uh, you know, had all these things, you know, with them. They had a contract. Um, you know, you remember when that Edward Snowden shit came, right? About eavesdropping and copying things. Well, anyway, that kind of like blew over because it was set to expire in 2015, but they were fine. But now they're in the shits again, right? And it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse as it goes. Now, whatever Snowden did in, in 2013, putting out the spying and you know how they got really pissed off. And then they started saying, we're not using this. Remember, we talked about a GMX. They started using that because the NSA was then banned from looking at German, you know, communications. I wrote that in my article that's on ToriSays.com about 
how Obama and Biden were using German intelligence to communicate because the NSA had no access to it. Well, here's the thing. So as they were talking about all that and Verizon was like, you know, they have to be more confident. We need to expand. We already got Ukraine contracts. So Verizon is all over Ukraine. They're listening to everything. Right. This is why they were able to pick up on what uh, Mayor Giuliani was doing in 2018 there and how they're listening. So they have all those communications. So there's a Verizon representative like in bitching at Schiff. And they're like, we've complied with you. We gave you everything and looked into everything for these people. We gave you the smoking gun with Dan Scavino and you still haven't delivered. And he's like, let that little bitch wane. Cause last month the court ruled in our favor and we're going to get it. And now we're going to smear his name everywhere. But the thing is, there's people within the Verizon community that I have that are friends, right? And apparently they don't have shit on Scavino. But right now they haven't said anything about Dan Scavino yet, right? Because they're piecing the text together so that way they could put it out. So they're coming for him hard. And, and this is with a warrant, now, see, they already knew because they had their people in Verizon. Oh, yeah, we're going to advocate for you to get new contracts in other nations. You just do us a solid and give us everybody's text messages and contact details and who they communicated with. We want all the phone numbers, every single one of them. So Schiff and them got all those details from Verizon with no warrant. Verizon told them we have it, but we're not going to hand it over yet. You need to make a deal for us. They sealed the deal with Ukraine. They sealed the deal with other agencies in other nations. And now they were in Munich and they were all bitching, right? How the Germans are hard-headed, how they prefer T-Mobile, how, you know, T-Mobile seems to compartmentalize. They don't play politics. So these were the conversations that they were having at the security conference when I heard Adam Schiff say, that little bitch, I can't wait to... To hold on, that that little bitch and his smug face. Wait till I get done with him and shit like that. So they were all talking smack. This person's on Facetime accidentally Facetiming someone and they didn't realize they were doing it. Maybe allegedly. And so this video is out there. So um, I, I I I took that with a grain of salt. I was like, you know, this could be a catfish video, right? It could be weird, but it was dropped in an old channel. And I was like, let's dance. You know, what is dance? This looks sexy. And then I heard it and I was like, stop it. Stop. Oh, and by the way, Verizon also got into Ecuador too. Uh, And this is how I linked the Ecuador back to Schiff, back to Assange, back going to all this stuff. Because obviously the conversations that Schiff was interested in is what Dan Scavino knew about Julian Assange, which is really weird because apparently they only care about J6. So anyway, um, so it was like a catfishy type video. And then I was like going through court record, like again and again and again and again and again. And it's all unnamed shit until boom. What? So I'm going to show it to you. But so now that you've got the background that Adam Schiff and them are promoting Verizon because Verizon did a solid to them and they're willing to throw the employees that did the solid to them under the fucking bus to to hand them over. Right. Um, 
it's pretty interesting uh, how they're pushing forward with this because the World Economic Forum uh, it simply adores Hans Vestberg. And so Hans Vestberg has the backing of WEF, which, you know, everyone's now suddenly interested in WEF. It's riddled all over freaking Hunter Biden's laptop. He's like on committees with them and all of that. But any, anything, World Economic Forum, World Food Organization, you know, we talked about it when the Donkey Kong happened, you know, back in the days. Right? We talked about that. Um, they adore him. And he has no problem throwing his employees that did the solid under the bus. Who are they going to believe? A massive CEO or him? And, you know, since Verizon is also the United Nations preferred um, uh, telecoms network for their sustainable environments and smart okay. cities, it's going to be very difficult to take a giant like that down. So it's uh, that video versus, well, that video. Huh. Not touching that. No footprints on that. But that's a really weird, weird thing. So we're going to have to go back in time on this one. Now it makes sense. Well, first of all, why Schiff wants to know about Julian Assange? Because I don't know if you guys remember, you remember that undercover case where they found that they were making profits off of dead baby parts. Do you guys remember that in California? And there was this whole big case, right? And um, then Orange County um, got a $7.8 million settlement from those companies for selling it for profit. So basically, they were getting all the baby parts from uh, Planned Parenthood, and then they were selling them. And you know what's funny? The owners of those company, of that company that were buying all these baby parts were massive. Barack Hussein Obama, Hillary Clinton, Adam Schiff funders. They actually dumped 90 grand into Obama's 2012 election campaign. And then before that, they reached out to Hillary Clinton for asylum. So get this. These fuckers left Ecuador, leaving a debt in the country. So there's brothers, right? Roberto and William Isaias. And they have a son called Estefano Isaias. So what they did was they screwed over Ecuador by having this fake ass bank, left the people without $661.5 million. They bounced. They bounced and came to America and asked for asylum. And they asked for asylum and Hillary Clinton granted to them with expedited immigration. And she, her state department was like, oh, telling the embassy, just let them through. They're, they're getting asylum in America. Just like, don't listen to Ecuador about them being crooks and stuff. So the minute they came in, they founded these companies called uh, Da Vinci uh, Biosciences, a.k.a. DV Biologics, right? And they were contracting with Planned Parenthood to get all the babies that are aborted. <laughs> so weird that it's Hillary Clinton that's doing this, right? And so it's really weird. Hillary Clinton's doing this shit, right? Aborted baby parts. Like, you know, this isn't, you can't even make this shit up. This is like 100% real, okay? So fucking weird. So uh, she gets a shit ton of money, lots of dead babies and stuff, uh, right? From these people that got expedited, uh, you know, 
asylum. Another thing is the two brothers, William and Roberto, it wasn't their son. It was their nephew, Estefano, right? He had, he was getting money from both of these companies and he had a business that was selling porn. You want to guess what kind of porn? That's right. So, um, it's so really, it's so weird. So after the release of the undercover expose that happened in 2015, uh, the uh, district attorney uh, sued them for illegal body parts trade. Now, technically in the United States, it's not illegal to traffic human body parts. But in 2017, uh, Adam Schiff negotiated a fee so they could just get it away. So the district attorney was happy with the $7.8 million settlement that Adam Schiff got. Now, you have to understand that these people were Ecuadorian and they had asylum, right, in the United States. And when this news came out, freaking Ecuador was pissed, right? So they reached out to Obama in 2016 and they were like, hand them over. These fuckers owe us about $700 million. Hand them over. No, we're not handing them over. No, we're not handing them over. No, we're not handing them over. And then Comey's FBI said, well, we'll hand them over if you kick Assange out of the fucking embassy so we can get a hold of him. You see how this works, right? And you know whose idea that was? I want you to take a wild guess. Whose idea? It was Adam Schiff's idea to get him out. So I want you to hear what the Ecuadorian ambassador said about Assange and why he kicked him out. But I'm going to tell you that this was collusion to the highest degree. Mark Warner was also involved with that shit in 2017 when they were planning it because they were like, if we get him arrested before Trump can bring him over here, you know, he's going to be thrown to the wolves. They were concerned about the media. They're like, that's fine. We'll just mind fuck him. So they took over WikiLeaks by colluding with the Ecuadorian government so that they can get the freaking Isaiah brothers. They sold out Julian Assange to get the Isaiah brothers for political reasons. I repeat that. So every single person in Ecuador needs to know that the Isaiah brothers that they get right, is because they sold out Julian Assange. Ecuador is a generous country with open arms. Our government is a respectful of the principles of international law, among them the institution of asylum. To retire it or retire it is the soberan of the Ecuadorian state. Today, I announce that the conduct irrespectful and aggressive of Mr. Julian Assange, the declarations of cortes y amenazantes de su organización aliada en contra del Ecuador y sobre todo la transgresión de los convenios internacionales han llevado la situación a un punto en que el asilo del señor Assange es insostenible e inviable. Ecuador soberanamente da por finalizado el asilo diplomático otorgado al señor Assange en el año 2012. Por seis años y diez meses el pueblo ecuatoriano ha garantizado los derechos humanos del señor Assange y ha cubierto sus necesidades cotidianas en las instalaciones de nuestra embajada en Londres. Cuando asumí la presidencia del Ecuador, era de esta situación y dictamos un... I can't. Like, I, you know, if I was from Ecuador, any fucker parading around that, you know, they traded Assange in for them makes me sick. And, you know, Julian Assange was right that their network were compromised because Ecuador gave them free pass. He let Obama have it because they promised him 
that they would, they promised the Ecuadorian government that they will hand the Isaiah brothers over. It's the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen. Here's another report by the BBC. Why did you revoke the asylum of Julian Assange? What, what did he do? Varios de mis insultos que profirió el Ecuador de manera verbal el momento en que se refirió a nuestro país como un país completamente insignificante por una parte y por otra parte, y qué pena tener que decirlo por este medio, pero inclusive manchando con heces, heces de él las paredes de nuestro país. Creo que eso es suficiente motivo para revocar y para tener so apparently, Julian Assange said Ecuador is an insignificant country. The conversations that they probably had was when he realized that his network was compromised in 2017. And he had all these CAA assets like Pamela Anderson turn up, fucking what's her face, <clears throat> that loves death and murder and horror. What's her name? Cassandra Fairbanks turned up twice, actually. The one with the boobies out, right? So he realized that he was infiltrated, right? Obviously, where's Dana Rockenbach who, from California that had it all? I want to know. But he knew that it was compromised and he told him, your country is insignificant to anybody. They will take you over any single second. And that's true, Ecuador, because right now, I, I kid you not, I will lobby the shit out of President Trump's administration the next time you're up there. At, in any position that I have, if public or whatever, to make sure that we let you fight it out your fucking self. Because right when we had all these human traffickers, the porn, the Epstein, the baby parts, you sold out because you wanted to get some motherfucker elected by turning over the Isaiah brothers. This is disgusting. So he's saying, oh, he said that we were in like a, you know, an insignificant country. And I'm sorry I'm saying this, but he probably smeared poop all over the walls, which I'm going to say, maybe he did. He was locked in one room for that long. I wouldn't blame him, right? I wouldn't blame him if he went a little bit nuts, especially when he had the conversation with you saying they've infiltrated my network. You're not giving me protection and you're trying to play fucking politics and I can't see why you're doing it. That would drive me insane. It would drive me insane to know that I have access to the internet and I can't find out why they're boxing me in. I would understand it. I would understand to be someone like Julian Assange getting boxed in by the disgusting evil entities that are doing these things. And that he sits there saying, yeah, yeah, he said that. He might have. And I would have said it to you too if I was him. I would have said your country is absolutely nada in compared to what's really at stake here, dude. These people will eat your country alive. They will nuke it and not even think twice about it, okay? And that's fact. We're not dealing with regular people. I mean, look what they did with the COVID hoax just to get you to get identification next generation that they own and you can't contest. So this guy sold out the ability because they were being held hostage. It was a Trump administration and they had convinced him that they had taken over. And they did this. For my Ecuadorian, Tori says, peeps, I'd be pretty angry. And I'd like to find out 
what it is, you know, that, uh, uh, I'm so upset. I'm so upset. So now just so you know, they, they're getting extradited. Well, they were a couple months ago, so they're there now, right? Obama held up his end of the bargain and that's it. So, you know, for me, I'm so pissed because this all came from that simple conversation with Verizon, Schiff, and other people that I couldn't see on that video talking about it. And so while this man, I mean, come on, guys, imagine you are Julian Assange. You have access to the back end like nobody's business. I mean, he was the youngest person ever to hack a government agency so well at the age of 16. He's a genius. And you have the ability to see, and then you're standing there, and you know you can't check and see why they're boxing you in. And this is all fucking Snowden's fault. I don't give a shit what anybody says. If anybody calls Snowden a hero for me, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. End of story. I, I'm just so irritated today after finding this out. Because for me, I was always curious why Ecuador flipped. I'm like, pressures, this, but it's under Trump. Why? Now it makes sense. Assange was one of the best independent journalists on the planet. It broke my heart. And I bet you that the Ecuadorian was like, look, President Trump, he's smearing feces. Yeah, I'd probably smear that and then some, knowing that I'm boxed and caged up and they're going to tear me to limbs. And they won't kill me. They'll melt my brain. They will put people out there posturing as me. I know what they're capable of. I, you know, ugh. And how did he treat staff? Muy mal, bastante mal. De manera despótica, inclusive ha agredido a algunos de los guardias, algo que definitivamente no se podía tolerar. Puedo recalcar, eh, colmó nuestra paciencia y exageró completamente nuestro, nuestro sentido y nuestra tolerancia. I've heard reports that he was spying on your staff. What does that mean? Bueno, realmente sí. Permanentemente instalaba cámaras y tomaba sus propias decisiones sin consultar bajo ninguna circunstancia a los funcionarios del gobierno ecuatoriano en la embajada. Es necesario recalcar que, además, eh, publicaba fotos de la intimidad de mi familia, de mi esposa, de mis hijas, y francamente lo único que encontraron es una familia unida, una familia que se ama y una familia que es feliz. Ok, pero una de las fotos showed you en un hotel room, en una bed, uh, había algún lobster. ¿Fue eso el final straw? Some people have suggested it was because you were embarrassed at a time when you were introducing austerity into Ecuador, that that is the reason that you kicked Julian Assange out of the embassy. Bueno, le voy a comentar, le voy a comentar. Casualmente en el día de mi cumpleaños, en el día de mi cumpleaños que me quedé viendo el fútbol en la cama, pues era un día feriado, naje pues a, a ese día especial para, para nosotros nada más. Una foto de intimidad que lo único que revela es mucho amor. His no, Julian Assange showed him, I am capable of tapping into everything. That's what he did. And he was pissed because he's going on to say, yeah, he was spying on our embassy. Yeah, he knew that you had given the reins to Brennan and his cronies out from Europe and New Zealand to access. Why the fuck do you think they were all in New Zealand in 2017 and 2018? Damn, it makes sense now. So he was showing him how easily he can be destroyed.
And this guy bent the knee because he realized and he sided with what they were telling him. Assange is dangerous to all of us. He'll show embarrassing moments. And da da da. This is my assumption of why he showed him that picture. He showed him that picture of him laying on a bed with a lobster next to him. doesn't matter. There's probably some really embarrassing photos of me that have good excuses, but it's always about the context, right? That people say, oh, you know, nah, 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 right? So um, this is what happened. So Ecuador kicked him out so that they can get um, uh, a hold uh, of Assange so that he can get, well, his country can get a hold of um, these clowns, these brothers. So they they have been extradited, right? And um, no one's talking about the child porn and the baby parts that were put out. Um, just so you know that the Da Vinci Biosciences people they actually were experimenting on people in Ecuador, you know, when they ran off with, um, with money. So they were giving, um, uh, ex they were actually conducting experiments on people, uh, in regards to uh, spinal cord injury patients. Now I had ran, this is why it blew my mind. So when I was at the university of Kentucky, I worked with a doctor, um, who is paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, Rob Chevsky is his name, a fantastic instructor. He was my professor for neurosciences. Uh, that's where I got the idea of the zero G therapy that I, you know, that I sent off to the, um, Superman fund, you know, for paralysis and spinal cord injury, where I discovered that, um, there are ways, the only way that we can suspend secondary, uh, immune response secondary. Oh, so let me, let me go back. So you understand what I'm talking about. So when you get hit and your spinal cord is injured, uh, your body starts to heal. You're able to actually heal. But what happens is we have two immune responses. It's the primary, which is your B cells that come in and they just start to, you know, create this inflammation and try to clear, clean things up. And then you have the secondary one. Now, the secondary immune response is done by a method called diapetesis. Diapetesis requires gravity because it's like pulled into the site of, um, of, uh, injury. And what happens is that secondary uh, immune response causes scarring on the spinal cord, therefore creating a no-go situation. So basically it goes in to clean up the mitochondrial mess and it causes, you know, a blockade. So this way spinal cord cannot regenerate, even though it normally can, the secondary immune response sp stops it. So... <clears throat> so as they were experimenting, um, you know, with different, you know, uh, animals and simulations, that's how I got working with, um, this guy named Tao, uh, Chinese, of course, he worked in the biophysics lab and I mimicked, uh, injury response in a zero gravity, um, injury response in a zero gravity environment. So this was done with mice and this was simulated. And it turns out that if you're put in a suspended zero gravity um, uh, place 
like if I can put you to float, like literally take away gravity, there's no secondary um, inflammation or no secondary immune response. And therefore the mitochondria uh, garbage, the no-go that they say that, you know, spills out, um, gets cleaned up and your, your neurons begin to regrow. So obviously my proposal was very expensive. It's not like you can have an ambulance with um, zero G capabilities at this time, but that was an idea and I wrote a paper on it and I actually presented it uh, in, um, I want to say 2009. Uh, so that was a, that was a pretty cool um, idea. I tried to mimic it in water. It didn't work. It has to be pure and utter weightlessness because it's on a cellular level, not what you feel. So when we're floating on water, we're still, um, we still have gravitational pull on the cells, but when you're suspended in zero gravity, uh, uh, the, everything stops. And, and I got that idea from a Swiss airline that would, um, fly up into orbit and see how cells cultivate in a zero G environment and then come back down. And that was an idea I had. Maybe we could just have, you know, uh, galaxy flights <laughs> shooting people up in the air right after an accident. You know, it's obviously not feasible, but anyway, um, it was quite costly, but it worked because from those experiments, even uh, plants that have gravitrons in order to know which way the root has to grow in zero G, they can't assess it on a molecular level. So, you know, for those that think that I'm just not smart and I just Google shit, that's the shit I did. So I, I you know, I'm a person that looks at solutions. So um, Dr. Repchevsky, he's a, a, he's a genius. And I know his research more so in electrode response is because he wants to walk just as much as he wants other people to walk. But anyway, I digress, <laughs> I digress on that. But I, this is how I saw the Da Vinci. So the Da Vinci um, uh, biolabs from Ecuador actually had done research. They had done stem cell studies. Um, and I read up on it and I was like, what? So they had done studies where they were um, administering bone marrow stem cells to spinal cord injury patients um, in different ways uh, to, to, to help them. So they were actually doing human studies. Um, and basically for acute and chronic spinal cord injuries, uh, they had, uh, you know, they would follow up and continue stem cells and, um, none of them got infected, no tumors were formed and the pain didn't increase. That's all that happened. It didn't, it didn't cure any paralysis, but it just made it better. And they saw that the expression of CD34, um, stem cells in the bone marrow, uh, was present. Uh, so that was something that everybody thought was important, but it's actually the secondary, um, the secondary immune response that causes the, 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 the problems. So for me this morning, it was just crazy bunch of connections. Cause I was like, holy shit. I didn't know that it was Da Vinci Biosciences that did the 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 baby trafficking, the baby parts trafficking. Holy crap! I've seen them when I was studying with, under Dr. Rubchevsky, right? So that I can, you know, I was just like, this is crazy. So anyway, so uh, Ecuador, right? Um, actually had Verizon services, and Verizon services was the one that allowed the agency to penetrate. 
And hence, hearing Verizon and talking about uh, Scavino, everything just clicked. Now I'm going to show you what happened. So I'm looking around to find um, where they're talking about this shit and where there's a case. Because if the January 6th committee demanded that something happened, there's got to be a case. Then I found another juicy case that I want to talk about while I was forking through. So the thing is, how am I going to know that the plaintiff is Scavino? Well, I found that out. And um, Judge Howell was the one that gave it away. Hold on, let me show you. So I found that Verizon, we're going to see this together and I'm going to read it to you guys. All right, here we go. Let me see if I can zoom in so you guys can see the whole thing. There we go. So this is Dan Scavino's case. This is Scavino versus Verizon Communications. And in this, it says, plaintiff seeks to proceed under pseudonym in the instant action seeking to quash subpoena issued for this person's phone record to Verizon Communications by the U.S. House of Representatives Select Committee to investigate January 6th attack on the Capitol. Plaintiff seeks to proceed pseudonymously because his or her identity is wholly irrelevant to this court's determination whether the subpoena giving rise to this action is a lawful exercise of congressional power and because plaintiff otherwise has a non-public avenue to stop the production of plaintiff's personal phone records. Okay, so motion to proceed anonymously. So basically Scavino wanted to proceed anonymously. On June 30th, 2021, the U.S. House of Representatives passed Resolution 503, establishing the select committee, blah, blah, blah. Because they were talking about quashing a subpoena, I started a reverse lookup. Oh, my gosh, it took forever to find a case somewhere with J6 and Verizon and trying to do it anonymously because they needed his name out. Right. And he has nothing to, to be concerned about. So it says here that he asks for this, asks for that. I want you to see what the judge says. And then I'll show you how I found out it was Scavino later. After I found this complaint, I'm like, okay, this looks like what they were talking about. Um, the conclusion is ordered that the plaintiff's motion proceed anonymously denied. And it is further ordered that the clerk of court shall strike the plaintiff's complaint on the docket, and not refile the complaint unless filed with the plaintiff's full name in accordance to the member. So now Judge Howell decided, listen, you want to not be seen? That's not happening everybody's going to see your name. So this is how it's going to work. You're going to do it like this because I said so. I, I kid you not. That is exactly what the judge said. So let me see if it's on this one. Hold on. Cause I want to share it with you guys. I want to see which okay. on this one. Cause then I found it. There we go. So what they did was, okay, so he filed this anonymously, right? And it's supposed to be anonymous only if he refiles. So the judge, I'm just putting this out there, the judge fucked up because even though he said he can't proceed anonymously, the judge said if he files again on the docket, he has to do it with his name. So that means this original docket shouldn't have his name on it, right? Am I, are you guys getting me on this, right? Do you understand what I'm trying to say with this? So the judge says, if Scavino files again, he needs to put his name on it. But that means that this one should stay anonymous, correct? It's total common sense. Now let me show you what the fucking judge did. Because if I was Scavino, right? Because the fact that I found it like this was like, ah. Uh, if I was Scavino, I would be all over that shit. Let me show you. Is it here? There we go. 
me highlight it. The judge, the judge messed up. Boom. Scavino versus Verizon Communications. Boom. So that is a violation right there. If I was Dan Scavino, I would totally file with the Supreme Court and cock block Adam Schiff. So for all of you out there that are on Truth Social already, please let your firing range go and tell him he must listen to this clip. So the judge said in his order that he denies his motion to go anonymously, and if he wants to file it again, he has to do it with his name. Well, here's the thing. He didn't file it again, and he revealed his name. This is on the website. It's live. We're recording. Done deal. There we go. There we go. So the judge violated their own order of privacy. That is a judicial issue. It's time to get with SCOTUS now because Judge Howell of D.C. just fucked up. And, you know, it's so weird because I was sitting there with my campaign team talking, talking, and I'm sitting there bitching, asking someone to help me find this. And I was like, damn, I've been through petabytes of data. I can't seem to find this damn one court case. And it came up. And then suddenly, boom. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, this is the case number. Now let me go find the case. So I'm looking for the case. And I'm like, that can't be. His name is on the case. Uh, you know, if you ask me, I'd be filing a lawsuit that my privacy was violated and it shouldn't have been put up there because he said, and I repeat, he said, ordered that the clerk of call court shall strike the plaintiff's complaint on the docket so it's not, and not refile the complaint unless it's filed with the plaintiff's full name in accordance with this memorandum of order. So the judge basically ordered the clerk to take his request out of here, put that shit away. And the only way he can request it is with his name. So he didn't file it again with his name. Right. And they still put his name out there. Now I'm drawing the attention of an illegality. I'm putting it out there because it seems like nobody's really got anybody's back in this world. I'm watching it and I'm like, damn, Trump has a legal team like no other. Most of them are freaking, uh, you know, being surveilled by the FBI. He's got Americans looking after him like crazy. But see, the thing is, what people don't know is that Schiff has a big fat mouth and so does Verizon. And they were laughing at the fact that they already got the information about Scavino and they were talking about it because they were mitigating the contracts that Verizon gets. So weird. So weird. So I don't know if, you know, Dan Scavino knows that they violated the law. Maybe. I mean, it's been over a month. Maybe. Maybe not. But what I'm trying to say is when I heard about them talking about Scavino and saying his smug, stupid face and shit like that, and, you know, there were uh, there was a lot of uh, unintelligible conversation, too, um, and a lot of foreign conversation, which were like, you know, just like attaboy or, yeah, you know, or damn, he's got him or, you know, just stupid shit. Um I, I just couldn't find the case and, and I didn't know why. And then I'm looking around for a case. I didn't even think to look for Scavino's name. And if I put Scavino's name, it didn't come up, right? It didn't come up. 
But then after I found the case number and I put it in, I looked at district court opinions of the District of Columbia, and then I went into memorandums and opinions, right, um, of the courts, and boom, I find that. And I'm like, what is going on here? So, um, you know, I usually frequent uh, this uh, site. I just haven't lately, which was funny because I found this amazing thing where there, uh, where Mueller was sued and um, because he um, trashed a businessman, calling him a Russian businessman when he wasn't. Um, but this is, this is pretty interesting, right? Uh, that, this is happening. Someone says Severino versus Biden is an interesting case. Let's take a look if it's an interesting case. Mm. Okay. So, um, let's see what the memorandum of opinion on that is. I can show you one that's really hot and sexy that I was like, damn, they lost that one. Hold on. Let me put the screen. I know you saw Biden and it's like, but that's because he's president. This has to, ha this is about, um, oh shit, wrong one. Sorry. Hold on. Where is it? That one. So let's zoom in. So someone is seeking, oh shoot. Let's see. Uh, injunctive declaratory unlawful removal by President Biden from the Council of Administrating Conference of the United States. So he was fired from ACUS uh, and appointee from former. Okay, so he was fired just because he was appointed by Trump. Let's see what the judge says. Oh, for the foregoing reasons, the court grants the defendant's motion to dismiss um, lack of jurisdiction and failure state of and dismisses. So the guy lost. Uh, he got fired simply because he was appointed by President Trump and Biden wins and they dismissed his case. So <clears throat> that's really weird. Uh, you know, when judges play politics, it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's really bad. But let me show you a case that I found super interesting. Hold on. There's two of them. Well, a few of them, but this one was in, okay. So you know how there was grand jury proceedings, right? With Mueller. Well, there's grand jury proceedings. Hold on. So there's a grand jury action pending before this court. Hold on. Let me share it with you. Um, Pending before this court is petitioner Yorji Ratskiladze, uh, uh, motion to unseal all Rule 60B materials for production of his grand jury transcript. So he asks for his whole grand jury transcript to be provided. He says on November 1st, 2021, the petitioner filed an application with the undersigned as chief judge of this court for access to the transcript of his grand jury testimony. Before the grand jury previously impaneled in conjunction with the investigation led by special counsel Robert Mueller, petitioner indicated he had filed a civil action asserting defamation and violation of Privacy Act against Counselor Mueller and the Department of Justice alleging defamatory statements. Implication about the petitioner were included in footnote 112 of volume 2 of the report 
on the investigation into Russian interference in 2016 presidential election. Damn, is this guy going to be rich? Which footnote created worldwide media frenzy, thus destroying his career and materially harming his well-being. That action was dismissed by another judge on this court, and the petitioner filed an appeal to the D.C. Circuit. Petitioner indicated to this court that after reviewing the transcript, he intended to submit an affidavit under seal in his district court suit and asked that it be made part of the record on appeal. Following briefing, a petitioner's request was granted and the government directed to arrange for applicant and his counsel to have an opportunity to review such a transcript in person. In, order for, in, in its order granting the request, the court explicitly noted, to be clear, the order does not by itself authorize further disclosure of the contents of the transcripts and exhibits at issue. So he just wants a copy of his, so that way he can prove that they defamed him. Basically, they, they, they noted him as Russian businessman. Hold on. Let me see where it has it. Um... Grand jury's holding regarding only entitlement of access, making particularly thin record. John um, Justice Brennan dissenting. Um, this guy's going to be rich. Okay, so petitioner cites as an example of this supposed systematic deprivation. An email thread that stalled out for 14 months is now sealed in a Rule 60 motion. Petitioner recounts the government's August 2020 email statement. It has received this request and was considering it. So he's been trying to get a hold of this because they actually mentioned him as a footnote as Russian businessman. And he's not a Russian businessman, just so you know. So the judge said... Ordered that petitioner Yorgi motion to unseal Rule 60B materials for production of his grand jury transcript to the extent it remains pending is denied. It is further ordered that petitioner is authorized to disclose only sealed filings in the related civil matter. Any testimony excerpts under than the information gathered from petitioner's review of his grand jurors is further ordered that the government counsel for defendants is authorized to disclose only in sealed filings in such a matter excerpt other information from petitioner's grand jury statement to the extent such disclosure is necessary to respond to petitioner's Rule 60 motion as so ordered. So this guy asked, I want the transcript. You know, he was born in Georgia, actually, and moved to the United States in 2007. And just so you know. And they called him a Russian businessman. And they did this for oohs and ahs as a footnote. So. Um, I just wanted to say this was actually granted to him to get some of it. So this guy will win and he will sue Mueller because for the oohs and ahs, they mischaracterized him and defamed him and nobody wants to do business with him. And I get it. So same judge, Judge Howell. So now there's another case about Gina Haspel, but we'll do that right after this um, short break because I've been on for an hour and 15 minutes and I need to refill my coffee and I definitely want to have a coffee. And I'm sure all of you might want to take a little break. So let's enjoy this nice musical interlude uh, that describes our state of affairs in our nation and around the world.
must have dreamed a thousand dreams Been on it by a million screams But I can hear the marching feet They're moving into the streets Now did you read the news today? They say the danger's come our way But I can see the fire still alight Burning into the night There's too many men There's too many people Making too many problems But there's not much love to go around Can't you see this is a land of confusion Well this is the world we live in And these are the hands we give up Yes, that guy has like perfect teeth, perfect singing skills. He can, he has pipes and he's got nice teeth too, right? So welcome back. So as I said, today has been a little bit of an insane day because I had some revelations and I had some uh, questions answered for myself. The question's more so lying about, um, you know, where I had these thoughts, like, you know, why would Ecuador flip? Like everybody had like their assumptions, right? Everybody had their theories, but now it makes sense. You know, it all made sense and how it pinged back all the way to freaking ship because it was like, they're talking Assange. And I was like, wait, where is Assange involved in this? And then I'm like, shit, how's Ecuador? There's got to be something with Ecuador. And then when I look, I'm like, holy shit, it's the Isaiah brothers. They would have brought down the house experiments on freaking human beings. Well, professional ones, but the nephew doing the child pornography, them selling baby parts from Planned Parenthood, them funding 90 grand to Obama, Hillary Clinton expediting their asylum requests to evade uh, going to jail. Maybe the deal was you give me baby parts and child porn and snuff films and you can come here. I mean, you know, it was Adam Schiff's district. He negotiated the 7.8 million to make the DA go away. So the question is, where the fuck is this DA? And is he still serving? Because that's not really fair, cutting deals like that. Hey, yeah, yeah. Everybody can attack Schiff, but then you've got to look at the people that take these deals, right? Where's this DA? Who is this DA again? Let me see his name. Let me see his name. Orange County District Attorney's Office. Let's see. Prosecutors, 2009. Hired consultant. Summer sales, $40 for a vial of total RNA cells from several fetal tissue sources. Um, It doesn't tell me who the prosecutors were, but I'm sure a simple search will tell us who the prosecutors were Uh, you know, when they got the settlement in December of 2017. There was a backdoor deal being done before that from what I saw in the paperwork. Um, So, you know, that's, uh, it's so, it's so disheartening to see. It seems complicated, but it's not, right? It's all the same players. It's like they circle jerk cover for each other, right? It's the most obscene thing. There we go. Orange County District Attorney Tony Rakaukas. R-A-C-K-A-U-C-K-A-S. He's the one that sued the companies. 
So maybe we should look at a district attorney, Tony Rakakas, and see where the hell this clown is and what he's doing. Because if he's doing anything in politics or anywhere, uh, this is where the people in California should get up and be like, "Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Because these people were paid to kill. I just, I I just can't. I just, I, I can't. You know, I just can't. You know, in what's what's really weird is how things like that happen and how they allow it to happen. I mean, I don't know. Did the district attorney, Tony Rakakis, say that it's fine? He's supposedly a tough, non-nonsense DA. Maybe we should ask him some questions about fucking Schiff. His birthday's coming up on March 18th. We could all send him fucking birthday cards and say, hey, we know the deal you cut with Schiff. Come out straight out with it. Confess. We'll beg the judge not to give you any time. You'll just get stripped of your title. Confess. He has the power to take them all down. Why isn't he doing it? Why isn't he doing it? Did you also know that he actually won a federal lawsuit against a former prosecutor in his office? Looks like he's beyond redemption. Bad, bad, bad guy. Yes. District Attorney Tony Rakakis. We should send him birthday cards. And tell him, you're going to hang higher than Schiff when it's time for recompense because you covered for him, you covered for Hillary, and you let these fuckers go. And they took out Assange with that leverage. There were babies being killed. There was a shit ton of child pornography. You let this happen. And you let them run amok. And you're supposed to be a DA. I'm just saying. His birthday's on March 18th. We could let him know. I think we should do it. Send him a shit ton of birthday cards. And ask him to seek redemption. No one, well, I don't know. Can he be redeemed? I mean, he went after a prosecutor in his own office and won. That's just disgusting. I would say that would be the best way. I mean, if there were really good rank and file people, they should be doing it too. Super weird. All right, let's get to the really fun case that I saw. And I was like, wait a minute, what's that one? I was like, wait a minute, did I just see someone suing the CIA? And is it the ACLU? You gotta stop. But see, this this is what's weird. So the ACLU sued the CIA in 2018 under President Trump. The reason they sued under President Trump is because they wanted to find out more about Gene Haspel and how she wasn't the right person uh, to to be um, CIA director. And um, what's weird is it's 2022 now. So if any of this shit comes out now, they're in a lot of trouble. So apparently they requested the CIA to provide more information that, and they said that they're not giving information. They're hiding shit. We filed the FOIA, blah, blah, blah. And this was filed, look, 
2018, right? So it's like ongoing. They actually had to sue them for the FOIA. I want you to see what the judge said. This is so weird. They even cited Judicial Watch. The ACLU's principal response is that the CIA has failed to explain how or why they previously failed to segregate the materials disclosed last month, which amount to more than 100 pages that were neither protected nor inextricably intertwined with exempt material. So they lied. They just stonewalled. The judge said for the foregoing reasons, the defendant's motion for summary judgment is granted. An order will be entered. So ACLU, the, the wait, the ACLU, hold on. Shit. The defendant's motion for summary judgment, the defendant, CIA, asked for summary judgment and the judge said yes. So the ACLU, the CIA has ways of doing it. So they are able to conceal information now once again. I mean, the ACLU doesn't give a shit anymore because Trump's not in office anymore, so they could give two shits. But they did sue to get Gina Haspel's things, and they took their time, sweet old time with it. It's, it's, it's called, you know, federal stymieing things, right? It's so weird. There is one case that I saw that I... Um, that, that seemed a little bit weird. And I wanted you guys to just, you know, take a gander. I'm going to drop the link in Telegram later. I want you to see this. Um, it's from the um, crew. Okay. It's a FOIA request that they did on the U.S. State Department's handling of testimony requests of the committee chairs. So um, the court denied the State Department's motion for summary judgment in part without prejudice, and it'll grant in part and deny in part Cruz Cross motion. So they are trying to figure out what they want. So Cruz, a nonprofit watchdog, focusing on government ethics and transparency. Uh, several news outlets reported that the White House had directed administration officials, including at the State Department, to rebuff reports at oversight from Democratic chairs of various House committees, but cooperate in full with the request by the Republican heads of Senate committees. It's a partisan approach to congressional oversight. <clears throat> They filed a complaint saying that the State Department was improperly politicizing its approach to high-profile congressional investigations. China. Put this out. So there's this case is so weird because let me go down to the judgment here. So they're saying that the State Department will respond in partisan ways, which is weird. So the court said, will deny the defendant's motion for summary judgment in part without prejudice and will grant in part and deny without prejudice in part Cruz cross motion for summary judgment. A separate order shall accompany this memorandum. So they're complaining that um, 
they're not providing information depending on who's in office. They're upon, they're they're offering information dependent on the political party. So this is interesting because these are cases that were filed under the Trump administration, and now, two years later, there's some motion on it, which is really bizarre as to why it's taking so long and then they just become redundant. It seemed like an interesting case and applicable for today, but um, I guess, you know, we'll never know in a sense. I'll drop that in Telegram so you guys can read it because it's quite interesting. There were a few there from Judicial Watch too. Now, what I gather is, is that at the moment they are gasping for air. They're looking hard for anything to come at the Trump administration. I wanted to share an old Project Veritas video undercover with Verizon. Uh, someone posing as a fake Verizon worker asking about George Soros. reason I say this, this is so weird because when I was searching for information, um, you know, Verizon and Soros came up and I'm like, mm, what's this? I know you think about me in your sleep. I hope, I hope it's off to work we go. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Uh, hi, I'm looking for Eric Pollard. Pollard, uh-huh. Hi, I'm from customer service. Uh -huh. If I ask you a couple questions, it take two minutes out of your day. Sure. All right. How would you rate your service between one and ten thus far? For Verizon? Mm -hmm. This is phone. Mm -hmm. Um well I just had a pretty long delay for a repair, so I would say like four. Four? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Bollard, how does it feel to make six figures while working outside of your house while being funded by a Wall Street tycoon? Do you think that's fair to the 99%? You're from Verizon. Mm -hmm. Can I see your ID? David tries to discredit my work and call it misbehavior But secretly he loves me and made me his savior I'm under his skin, check under his bed I heard he tweets in his boxes and wets his bed You paranoid turd, let me kick you the word I got an army of hidden cameras on the curb This shit is absurd, I think I really struck a nerve With media matters, this ain't media matters This is Project Veritas, the only media that matters Hello. Hi, I'm looking for Eric Bollard. Yes. Bollard. Uh -huh. Hi, I'm from customer service. You uh -huh. mind if I ask you a couple questions and take two minutes out of your day? Sure. All right. How would you rate your service between one and ten thus far? For Verizon? Mm -hmm. This is phone? Mm -hmm. um, well, I just had a pretty long delay for a repair, so I would say like four. Four? Yeah. Well, when you say delay specifically, how many hours? Um, well, first, the the... I, the, the wire was down and I waited like three weeks after the storm because it wasn't that big a deal. Right. And then I called and they said it would be a week. And then they said they would be there between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., which I thought was a ridiculous window. Really? So, okay. and then nobody showed up that day. I mean, in this economy, we're just happy to be operating. I mean, uh -huh. I'm just happy to have a job. Yeah, yeah. With you. But I mean, it's tough to manage like that. We're working with fewer guys. Yeah. I mean, this is the fifth house I've been to today. But uh, the service itself, would you say the service when they eventually got yeah, it was here? Fine. Yep, they fixed was, it right away. Would you be using Verizon in the foreseeable future? Yeah. 
All right, that's a yes. Uh -huh. okay. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Baller, how does it feel to make six figures while working outside of your house while being funded by a Wall Street tycoon? Do you think that's fair to the 99%? You're from Verizon. Mm -hmm. Can I see Not your sure. ID? I'm just curious. Can I see Customer your ID? service has me out here and I just like Can to know. Can I see your ID? I'd like to know if you think that's fair to us 99%. You don't work for Verizon? I'd like to know if you think that's fair, sir. No, I'm not going to No? No. Not fair? You can leave. Okay. Can I get your ID or something? I know you think about me in your sleep. Boom goes the dynamite. He thought I leaked the Trump speech. Boom goes the dynamite. He thought I leaked the Trump speech. Boom goes the dynamite. On April 3rd, Project Veritas went into poll locations throughout the District of Columbia and stated the names of well-known media and political figures, including David Brock, president of Media Matters. You have a David Brock? Put your name out right here on this. Uh, um, my hand's kind of tied up at the moment. I was wondering if I could go up to Media Matters. Um, I don't have one, and I, I don't have an ID either, but I was wondering, I'm a huge Media Matters fan. You can't go up without an ID? But what I love about Media Matters is the stuff that they've written about voter ID laws and how they're discriminatory. And I need, do I need an ID? One of the most effective tactics is making you live up to your own book of rules. They gotta live by their own book of rules. Boom goes the dynamite. He thought I leaked the Trump speech. Boom goes the dynamite. He thought I leaked the Trump speech. Boom goes the dynamite. He thought I leaked the Trump speech. So I found that video and I was like, wow, that's that's pretty awesome. Why? Because I'm also suing Media Matters. And what's funny is Media Mariners contacted us and said, hey, you want to drop your case? Like you dropped the Huffington Post. And it's like, look, the Huffington Post, there was a slight technicality. And, you know, their trash is just trash. I mean, I used to write for them under a pen name. Fuck them. But not you, Media Matters. I got you on a lot of things that I don't want to mention on air because I can't wait to depose the shit out of you. So they've trashed me a lot and they may or may not have been involved with hacking. So <laughs> allegedly. So we can just ask those questions in court. They've smeared me like no other. And, you know, losers like Rothschild and Soros talk shit about me, too. George Soros is a fucking twat. I say it again and again, and it sounds so bad coming out of my mouth like that. But he's a monster that I wanted to meet in person. And I made that shit happen. Let him fucking deny that. No one can deny that. Period. I wanted to meet him. I knew that there was a guy that was greedy, needed money, right? And they got done in afterwards, Blue, Bluestone Capital. They got done in afterwards. Whale Securities, they got done in afterwards. I was there. I learned. And after I left, they got taken down by the SEC. Now, I, while I was there, though, I had the ability to actually meet, I called him. See, the people can't fathom that shit in 2022, calling up some big people. 
Man, all you had to do was be nice to the secretary. That's it. And he had a male one, too. For the year 2000, that's pretty dope. But <sighs> these people are so relentless. And the thing is, they make it look complicated when it's not that complicated. You know, people are like, Assange, this. they're all connected. All of them. I showed you the text with, with Mark Warner. Go on to Tory Says. Look up the name Adam Waldman. Read the text. They were more terrified of Assange than anything. So this is what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, Assange had everything you needed on the FBI. He had everything you needed on every single one of them. And that's the thing. It's not that complicated. And so when all these pieces of the puzzle, because I was thinking like Verizon, Schiff doing deals, they're selling Verizon to to, to do this and they're getting communications. And you know what? People can be like, they can't do that. That's illegal. Do you remember how they already had AT&T's record with Julie, with Giuliani's information and text and the presence before they even had a subpoena? You remember that? You remember that? Right. But now Verizon, Verizon, huh. Verizon, because I told you they were wiretapping. Nobody listened. Now everyone's like, oh my gosh, they were like literally spying on Trump and they had wiretaps. No fucking shit. But now, um, you know, I'm just saying when I saw that, I was like, oh shit, you know, Scabino has to refile this with his name. So he has 30 days to do that. So that would be March 1st. So he would have to refile. So then why is the court revealing his name when he's not supposed to have his name revealed unless he files again? I'm just saying it's a technicality, but it's a very good one to get the judge in a lot of trouble or the clerk. And you know what? They always make mistakes when it comes to President Trump and his people, don't they? They always fuck up and do shit wrong. Oh, oops, we didn't mean that. See, the case says plaintiff, but only when you like look on the front does it say Scabino. And it's like... <sighs> I'm so tired of them and their antics. So tired of them and their antics. I'm so ready <laughs> for it to go. I mean, at the Munich conference, they postured, you know, they, they talked about Russia and Ukraine. And like I told you guys years ago, Ukraine is the Democrat Hiroshima. Oh, look at that. That shit aged real well four years later, right? Aged really, really well. But you know what I noticed? That a lot of people within the America First movement still haven't learned their lesson. They haven't learned their lesson to understand that the people that may seem to be on your side are really not. Now, a lot of them consider them useful idiots. Oh, I just work with them because, you know, they're important. They have a following. You know, nobody else has a following. So that's why I, you know, I, I, I tolerate them. You got to cut that cord. The best people right now to support our nation are the average people, the regular people, the people that used to be, you know, golf caddies. The people that drive our trucks, the people that are stay-at-home moms, the, the small business owners, 
Those are the people. Those are the people that people should be paying attention to. Because the day of fame from the social media wannabes is over. The day of rain, of look at me, I have important friends. You need friends to be important. You're not important by yourself. You know, every single person in, um, in our groups is important. I feel terrible that I can't respond to every single question or response that someone puts out. I have so I have 35,000 messages on Telegram. I kid you not. I'm one person that reads them. Nobody reads them for me, right? And I try. I try to get back to each and every one of you because you guys are the important piece of the puzzle. The only way you win is by taking your nation back. Now, while everyone is claiming that we're going to take the House and Senate and impeach Biden, they're going to take that away from you. We already saw all the rhinos that got snuck in. There's so many of them sneaking in. It's ridiculous. They all say the right things and have the right friends. This is where the danger comes in. You know, it's kind of even when I'm doing my oppo research, right? I realize that the person that's the incumbent, you know, you know, expose their local GOP too much. They want to get rid of him. So they snuck in a rhino that literally has no idea what he's doing or saying. And, and they just want to put him in there and say, oh, he's the good guy. Just have him say talking points. So maybe we can get President Trump to put it out. But that's not going to happen because I'm really hoping that President Trump does not hand out endorsements this time. The people should be handing out the endorsements. Nobody else. I don't. Anyone that is endorsed, right, still feeds the cycle of you've got to have important friends to be important. And that's not the way it should go. Like, I remember a lot of people that I've met, they just... You know, when, when they, they were like, oh, let me introduce you to XYZ. And the XYZ is like, yo, ha haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? Yeah, you know, hey, you didn't answer my text. And, and then the person next to me is like, holy shit, you know this person? Yeah, we talk every now and then. Why didn't you tell me? Why would I have to tell you that I'm friends with XYZ? Right? I shouldn't have to. You have to be able to stand on your own two feet and be 100% yourself. Those are the only people that matter. You and what the people think of you. I don't care who endorses you. It means absolutely nothing to me. Absolutely nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. Because endorsements are just you feeding the same monster with another name. We don't need them. If you need to name drop or, you know, be associated with someone to be important, then you're not important. The people that President Trump endorsed in 2019... They backstabbed him and they ha did everything right. They said the right things. They did the right things. They pandered the right things. That guy, uh, Alexander was his name here in, in Ohio. He ran, oh, I support Trump, raised money under Trump's name. President Trump even gave him an endorsement. Not even a day in office, the fucker voted to impeach the president. You see, that's the problem. 
they don't care once they're in. They're like, I was paid to do my job and then I'll walk away and that's it. See, that's how they operate. They're slotting in rhinos. You saw the left with the run for something, right? You think the right doesn't, the rhinos don't have the same thing? Yes, they do. My cat seems to agree. You know, I just wanted to say something on my cat. So a lot of people, they hear on the radio cat meowing or purring, right? He does this all day. I can tell you, I can attest to that. My campaign team has spent one time where they're just on speakerphone and I'm working on a million things with them for six hours. And all they do is hear my cat either purr or talk to me. He's a really big talker. So, you know, let the cat meme, cat lady memes fly. Now, Nigel Farage um, said something that makes sense about Putin. I want you guys to hear it because the the same thing that he's saying about Putin is the same thing about the rhinos. They don't have a lot to fear because people have the majority of the right have not woken up yet, but they will. They will. They will wake up and they will see what's happening. They will. We're going to go through some stuff. But when August hits, it's going to be so incredible when you see the people. You know, the rhinos think they've got it. They're holding closed door meetings across the nation. They're concerned about their positions. I told you, MLM scam, right? MLM scam. They take your money and then they tell you who you're going to um, vote for because they said so. It's the same thing here. They have nothing to fear. Hey, that with Ron DeSantis as governor, maintained a sane and sensible policy whilst the rest of the world went mad. Well done, Ron DeSantis. Well done, Florida. Brilliant. It's just as well CPAC's not being held in Canada at the moment. Where Mr. Trudeau has become, I think, the most authoritarian. You must all be half asleep. It's clearly been a long day. I said Justin Trudeau. Well, that's a bit more like it. Canada, Australia, New Zealand, most of Europe still have the most terrible restrictions put in place. But I'm pleased to say that in England, sanity has finally prevailed. Okay, I wanted to share this because he said Trudeau. Sorry, I, it was on mute and I was talking. <clears throat> this is, I put this on my hands. I put it everywhere. People say I'm a dictator. It's kind of Trudeau. You get it? Kind of Trudeau. Like this, I think, is one of the smartest memes ever. I, I, I absolutely adore it. Smartest memes ever. Get it? It's kind of true though. (laughs) So I just wanted to share that because I think it's one of the funniest memes I've seen on Justin Trudeau where he's dressed up like Hitler and his band, instead of having the Nazi symbol, it has the uh, uh, Canadian maple leaf. And it says, people say I'm a dictator. It's kind of true though. Right, get it, Trudeau. Anyway, I thought it was like super hilarious. I wanted to share it. Um, so let's go back to Nigel Farage, who's saying that the madness 
has seceded in England. Uh, I'm going to call fake news on that one. Super fake news. But let's continue. All restrictions put in place. But I'm pleased to say that in England, sanity has finally prevailed. We are beginning to win and all restrictions have been lifted. But it must go on. It isn't just about restrictions. We've got to stand up and fight for freedom of choice. We must go on fighting vaccine mandates every single time we get the opportunity. Our freedom is at stake and it matters. It's what our forefathers left us. We're not going to let global politicians take it away from us. And it's a fight that we can win. And it's a fight that we are going to win. Be in no doubt about that. But right now, the world is facing something even more immediate, something even more serious. And I guess there'll be a lot of Americans who quite understandably will say, Ukraine is a long, long way away. I would guess there are many in all of our countries who would struggle to point on a map to where Ukraine actually is. And I bet there are many Americans who say, just think what this country gave in World War I and in World War II. Think of the massive price that America paid to get Europe out of its problems. Well, the fact is, if America hadn't done things, Europe would have been unlivable for the last 75 years, and we owe America a massive, massive debt for our freedom and our liberty. Not that, uh, not that you'll ever hear that from a French politician. <laughs> Who almost seemed to resent what you did for them. So what I'm about to say will perhaps to some ears sound unfair, but it's this. Vladimir Putin is a nationalist Russian. He wants to get back, at least I thought, he wanted to get back the Russian-speaking areas into his country. When it comes to those two eastern provinces in Ukraine, well, they are Russian-speaking. I'd always thought that we were dealing with somebody who was actually very logical. But I now begin to wonder whether he is. Then again, of course, he's had nothing to fear, has he? The worst American president in the history of this nation. No question. I'm not allowed to say, let's go, Brandon, because it's too rude. So let's go, Brandon! <laughs> I am in no doubt that if Donald Trump had still been the president, that invasion of Ukraine would not have happened. I'm in no doubt about that. But it has happened. 
And if something's gone wrong with Putin, if he's lost logic and reason, it's not impossible to think that he'll want to go back to the days of Catherine the Great and the Tsarist Empire, and that Poland, Latvia, Lithuania and Estonia are under threat. He also is probing at NATO, and I'll tell you why. This remarkable alliance that has worked since the late 1940s was put there to guarantee peace, has pretty much done a very good job over those years. But something happened last year. America withdrew from Afghanistan unilaterally without even consulting your closest ally in the world. And let's face it, we've been with America in virtually every major conflict, side by side you, since 1917. And what Joe Biden did, without a phone call, was to withdraw American troops from Afghanistan. And we're asking ourselves a question. Do America still want to be the leaders of the Western world? Because if they're not, we have a problem. And the truth of it is, and this is unfair on American taxpayers and American people, but it's a fact, the truth of it is, without America, NATO is a waste of space. Without America, without America, Putin can do what the hell he wants, and we don't have the strength to stop him. Donald Trump did his best to make delinquent NATO members start paying the membership fee, and he was right to do so. But it's still, it's still not enough. It's still not enough. So there needs to be a big public debate in America right now about NATO. Do you wish to continue leading NATO? And if you do, that message must be sent loud and clear to Vladimir Putin. Because, you know, if it's not, if that message isn't sent, I think Putin may well continue. I've come to that conclusion over the last few days. We've behaved very badly in many ways. We promised, we promised the Russians when the wall came down we would not extend NATO and the European Union to the east. And they've seen that as an encroachment on their territory. We have made mistakes. We have got things wrong. We have not been honest about much of our dealings with Ukraine and Russia. But the fact is we are where we are. What Putin has done is truly dreadful. It is dangerous. It is frightening. And if we believe in independent nation states and liberty and democracy, then America and Britain, by your side, have to send Putin that message. No further can he be allowed to go. We have to send it. <laughs> because if we don't, if we don't, we'll face an even bigger threat. Don't think Putin's the biggest danger we face. A friend of mine says it like this. He says, China. <laughs> China. Oh, you'll hear it tomorrow, I've no doubt. You will. And what Donald Trump did is he woke the world up to the threat that China posed when before Donald Trump, nobody dared even talk about it. He did that. He woke us up.
If China sees how weak we are, it could, within the next few months, and goodness me, Chinese state media this week has been broadcasting, saying that Taiwan is part of China. If China takes Taiwan, you realize what that will do to us. Despite the massive investments, the semiconductors that are needed for so much of our modern life, the semiconductors that are needed without which the car industry would grind to a halt, they are still manufactured for the most part in Taiwan. If Let's just be straight on something. Semiconductors and developing stuff in China. China, they don't do it in China. They're not stupid. They're doing that shit in the USA with Chinese fucking dollars under the guise of some big company. You know, you saw North Dakota's going through that shit. We, Intel came to Ohio to do, oh, that's right, semiconductors. All right, who's paying for that shit? Same investment firm that invested the money that invests Chinese dollar dollar. Now, Taiwan is a big pain point. Taiwan is a strategic point. They get that, and I showed you the map. They get the other aisles. It's game over. So we've got this, you know, zombie that can't tie a shoe, supposedly in office, with all these clowns only trying to play cover. No, 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 don't worry. We got these Americans. We'll shut them all up. If we have to kill them, we'll do it. While they're allowing Putin and President Xi to expand. See, like I said, there's a plan that Putin needs to do, but one thing that he could do is see a strategic move. Don't forget he's intelligence and he rides bareback on a horse. Okay. And when he had to go to a monument and it was freezing rain for the unknown soldier, he grinned and bared it because that's how much he loves his country and mother Russia. So like I said, the only problem we have is will Putin stick to what he needs to get done to bring balance back or will he take that extra mile? China, on the other hand, you don't even have to ask that question. Okay. The CCP, China, 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 will take it like no other. Actually, bareback. I know you guys have seen shirtless pictures, but I can tell you there's bareback ones too. So, um... Uh, what we're seeing right now is two world powers. Russia's got the U.S. and the NWO by the cojones. Take me out of SWIFT. Go ahead. Let's do it. Then I can't sell you oil and gas. Oh, and then I can't float Turkey because they're broke. Erdogan sitting there playing like, nah, man, my people are going to freeze. My money's tanked. I'm going to Africa to get some negotiations going right now. Like, please don't bring me in the middle. Like I said, Erdogan goes first. You watch. They will take him out. And the minute Putin completes his task, what he's supposed to do is resign. Putin needs to resign when he's done. But people, humans, no matter how much knowledge they have and how much power they may yield, they are always susceptible to ego and corruption. As I said, Turkey will be sent back to where it came from. It's going to be, it's pretty crazy. 
And the, the problem right now is I know the minute if I were president, the minute I come into office, there's some shenanigans going on. There may be war. That's when Putin's going to resign and it's not going to be against Russia. Russia will probably be a very big ally. And uh, the out of control is the CCP and the Chinese people don't want CCP, CCP evil. Let me CCP evil. Very bad. Very bad. People of China don't want that. That's what my friend always says. So, um, you know, war is going to start and it's going to finish. It's going to start in the Anatolia region and it's going to end in Asia. Greece will get back their land. Armenia will get back their land. And then whatever's left over will go wherever. The Kurds are going to move in. Wait till you see Iran get up. And that's, it's game over there. Like, it's all going to come at once. It's like when it rains, it pours. Erdogan knows that he's on his final leg and he's trying to see what he's going to do. He can't cross Putin. Crossing Putin crosses China. And China and Putin are like, yo, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. Let's just set fires everywhere. And they don't know where to look. They're very smart. And the thing is that these people are, see, the CCP is evil, but it comes down to conquering and having ultimate power. And they consider the evil that they do to a benefit for their power uh, of expansion of the country for the country, right? Whereas these other globalist idiots doing evil deeds like harvesting organs or killing people isn't for the good of their country. It's to self-serve themselves. So they fail a little bit faster. Does that make sense? Because, you know, at least the CCP think they're doing something just, okay? Then we've got the other clowns that know they're not doing something just. They're just doing it for themselves. So there we go. It's very disheartening to see actions as such. And it's very disheartening to um, have phone calls happen in the middle of it. <laughs> to have uh, phone calls occur when they shouldn't. But it's very disheartening to see that people aren't taking a step back to see the chaos that is being caused by these two world powers on purpose to distract, to distract defense, which is exactly what they're doing. And your intention of what your outcome is to be is how quick you fail. So as we see, all of them are running. They're panicking. They are in complete panic right now. So much panic that within our nation, they are committing crimes. They're violating laws. That's a big deal. That is a very big deal. So on that note, I want to wish you guys a fantastic evening. I'm going to show the same video, and I'm going to ask you to listen to the words and watch um, uh, the, the images so that you get what you've been told for decades. God bless. Have a wonderful evening. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Sweet dreams are made of.